0: Hey, welcome to the Gene Pool Variety Hour, your geek safe space. I'm Sean. And I'm Connor. And we're your co-hosts for the show. Welcome to episode two. In today's episode, we'll be talking adulting in Aspieland. Land. What aspects make a great video game? And jumping into the next installment of the Best of the Worst on Netflix. 2016's epic zombie action flick, Zoom so I wanted to start out with uh, just a warning to you guys that if you notice any kind of anger or frustration or irritation in my voice throughout this podcast, it's because this is the second time we've done this podcast. We recorded it several days ago and I checked it, double-checked it, recorded just fine, saved just fine, went back and tried to look at it again a day later, still just fine. I go back today to start to edit it to get it ready to uh, put out for the podcast, and the file's corrupted. It's gone. The files are there, but the computer says the files weren't there. So we're having to re-record the whole thing. So that's just why I'm going to sound a little irritated a little bit, probably. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that right off the bat so you have fair warning. Uh, and also talked a little bit on Twitter. I mentioned that this podcast will be delayed a little bit uh, because Connor had something that he had to do this week. He was gone all week this week. And so I'm going to let him talk about uh, where he was this week and what that was all about. And this is part of our real life of, you know, him living life with Asperger's and that kind of stuff. So I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let him talk for a while. And then I'll probably ask him some questions to kind of push it along. Okay. So here's
1: Connor. Hey guys, what is up? It is Connor back again. Um so so as you heard dad, um, I was gone for the past week doing something that I felt like is well well yeah, is really going to help me out in the future. I was at a place called Roosevelt Warm Springs. Um it, it is down in Georgia and basically at the, at its very most simplest of definitions, um it, it's basically a college for life made for um the physically and mentally Disabled. It teaches mentally and, dis- and physically disabled people how to live on their own. It teaches them job training. It teaches them mainly just how to live um, in the real world with their disabilities. Now,
0: I would add. I'm just going to add this, and then I'm going to mm-hmm. get back out. I would probably use the word mentally and physically challenged or differentially abled as opposed to disabled, because it gives that's a much more positive connotation than the negative connotation.
1: True. Okay, that's all. True. 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 My dad's right. Right. It's um. It, it's just. Which is, I always heard, disabled as it's like a general term of, of people with with problems, but, but but he's right. The things he said is a bit more positive. So, um, yes, I say um a lot. My dad keeps on showing me, stop saying um, but um is just what I do. It, it helps me not stutter as much. You hey, know? I say um a lot too, and I know that it's part of the stuttering thing. So, I'll just
0: edit it out. Which is what I was going to do today when the file was corrupted. And that's going to put out...
1: No, go ahead. Okay. Um. So, Roosevelt Warm Springs. I was there for the past week d- doing something called um Discovery Week. Um, and basically, what Discovery Week is, basically, it's a trial run for campus life there. You stay there for a week. You take these lessons on on, on like finding out what you personally need there. If you get accepted, you live in the dorms. You eat at the cafeteria. You get to Walk, walk around and explore the campus. It's actually just a really simple orientation-based thing, you know? And I found it was very cool, very enlightening, both both about the campus and about myself. And honestly, I'm very glad I went. So what did you learn? Well, let's see. I learned a bunch of things about, about, my, about my mental disability, which is Asperger's, or nowadays it's autism spectrum disorder, whatever. Basically, it helps me learn how to... Um, Work with my disabilities. What I'll need to work on the conditions uh, I will need to meet, and the things I can contribute to a job if, if I get a job in the future. And also, I learned that um, it's hard for me to to sleep on a mattress that's like that's like four inches thick and has uh, springs that can pierce right into your back. That was my mattress for the week. Not comfortable. Okay. How about? Rather relevant how about some relevant, relevant things, things that you have learned this week? Sorry, those relevant things that I learned this week. I'm trying to think. Okay, is going to be good. Okay, out?
0: so uh, let's move this along a little yeah, bit. Yeah, ever so, better with
1: questions, you know. I understand that. Uh, what was the best part of the week? Um, best part of the week was actually working with the with the um, other kids that were with me during Discovery Week. There were three others: Nick, Greg, and Russell. Okay. They were great guys, great guys that I got to know and got to hang out with, and well, they are all very unique, like me. What was the hardest thing about the week? Um, there were two hard things about the week, and one was um, sleeping on that horrible mattress, like I mentioned earlier, and two was the food. Okay.
0: Now, just to add some things here, Connor wants to do also talking about this, but I need to add a little bit of background and history, okay? I understand. I'm glad you understand because you live it. But anyway, Connor has always had issues because of the diagnosis. He's always had issues with food. His food, his diet is really restricted because of things like textures and tastes and those kind of things. Uh, And so we were worried about that this week because it's cafeteria style and it's whatever's there. And we knew that whatever the kind of stuff that they're making in the cafeteria is going to be kind of stuff that he would not eat or have trouble eating or had never eaten before. So that's why we were worried about the food issue this week. So if you want to expand on that a little bit, you can.
1: When it comes to food, it's not really about um, tastes. Um, It's more about the uh, textures and feel of the food, you know? Like, um, I love foods that... So um, I like foods that have a good hard texture to them, crunchy, chewy, and just really kind of stable foods, you know? stable meat at least it doesn't like break apart and it's like a bazillion little pieces in my mouth kind Okay, of like fish I was fish
0: I was thinking pretty much all the food you eat is stable it's not like you're eating like nuclear food no no
1: no <laughs> um, what I mean is food 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 that, that like crumbles apart into all these tiny little pieces yes. all over kind of like kind of like cornbread goes into all those crumb- crumbles I get it I get it I, I understand know. I was making a joke I know I okay know. Uh, let's see. oh also bread is a very good staple for me um if, if i can if i can sandwich something um it really helps me and sometimes he can just sandwich with bread it's no like I, a-, the, a bread sandwich that that is not a thing okay and butter that's not a thing either. <laughs> it's toast but it's not a thing okay so um things that things that have a, a soft texture stuff like um cooked green beans some macaroni i cannot eat those because it just makes me feel like i'm eating snot But yeah, the food the food was actually very good this week they always had something at least one thing i could eat and i could have something on my stomach but hopefully when i get into warm springs staying there will help me expand my diet a bit more true and okay and let's try to sum it up because Mm -hmm. we're kind of
0: going on and on about food i know i'm sorry so uh that's Kind of like what we said in your interview at the end. I mean, at some point, you have to kind of just stop giving the extra examples and just answer the question and move on. Sorry. Right. So right. this is something else we're trying to get Connor to understand, that, that when he's asked a question, just answer the question. He can pro- provide a little bit of background information, but he struggles with knowing where to draw that line. So anyway, so it was overall, it was a good week. Uh, he had the struggles, but he did get accepted in the program and he'll probably be starting there sometime in January February. Ooh! So, okay, <laughs> whatever. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to figure out how we're going to do podcasts when you move out there. That's going to be interesting. Uh, Sunday afternoons when I come home for the weekend. I guess so. So anyway, uh, so this is just part of our life. We have to do things like this and, you know, Connor's, Connor's 21 and, you know, most people out there that might be listening to this that have kids that are, you know, children that are, in their early 20s, 21, you know, they're thinking about, hey, they're getting ready to graduate college or they're getting their first job or some of them are, hey, they're getting married and this kind of stuff. But when when you have a family and, you're, and you and you have children who are on the spectrum, your standards have to change in a lot of ways. doesn't mean that they can't do the same kind of things. It just takes a little bit longer, harder road to get there. And uh, that's kind of what life is like. And I can't really speak to how hard it is living Connor's life with Asperger's. Only he can. Uh, I just try to hone that and rein that in sometimes, and and, and get him to move forward in that in that direction of adult life. It leads to lots of fights and arguments. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, all the time. Uh, So we're actually hoping that him living out there, because him living out there for that week, he was a model student. They said he did fantastic. He was on time. He did everything he was supposed to do. Kept his room clean. Was very helpful. All that kind of stuff. He comes home on Friday and he's immediately back into his whole routine of just kind of doing his thing. And we're having the same arguments again already. So I think it's going to be good for him to be out there and live out there and have other people kind of guiding him. That's not mom and dad. So that we're not the bad guy. And Let somebody else be the bad guy and let him learn those skills. So anyway, that's part of the real life that we have. But I'm ready to move on from that get away from that for a while. So... What was it that we were going to do next?
1: Oh yeah. Next we were going to talk about my question for, for this week, which is what makes a good video game. All right, your question, you start. So, everyone knows video games are awesome and and each game is unique in their own way. Um your mom might have a different answer to that question. I'm just saying.
0: She doesn't count. Oh, <laughs> she counts more than most people. You should know that.
1: Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> So, so so um, each game has things that can make or break them and can make them unique, you know? Um, and for me, there are five aspects that I think makes a good video game. Number one is the story. Um, if I can find a game that that's a good story that I can just immerse myself in and live in, um, I will play that thing all day, which I have in the past. Um, and a great example of that is Skyrim. In, in the Assassin's Creed saga.
0: Right, right. And that, and that kind of plays into to one of mine, yeah. you know, which, you know, I mean, yes, yeah, story, my, the way I categorized it was just mm-hmm. immersion. Yeah. Something like a word you just used mm-hmm. that, you know, I play video games because they're fun. Mm-hmm. That's the main reason I play them. But I a lot of times, with. a lot of times I play them because that's my escape. That's my escape from the daily stresses, things that I'm struggling with or, way down about it's just my way of getting away and not thinking about that for a while some people like to sleep some people like to drink some people like to go out that's mine so it's pretty safe but anyway so if, if if i have a game that draws me in where i get so sucked into that game and just the world that that game is in that i kind of forget what's going on around me for a while that's a good game and to me the perfect example of that is just like what you said skyrim not so much Assassin's Creed, although it has a good story, but it doesn't it doesn't draw me in like Skyrim does. Like, for example, if things happening in the real world, I instinctively think about the game world, that's a good game. For example, <laughs> last year I was doing nothing but streaming um, Skyrim and putting those up on YouTube, and I had a channel doing that for a while. And when I was so into it, I remember driving down the road, down the interstate, coming home from work one day, and in the medium between the, you know, the two sides of the interstate, the state had planted a bunch and just thrown out a bunch of wildflower seeds and planted a bunch of wildflowers. So there was all these wildflowers in multiple colors out there. And as soon as I saw those, my instinct, my my split second instinct was, oh, snap, I need to pull over and go pick up a bunch of, a bunch of those for, for alchemy later. And then immediately my other part of my brain was said, uh, dude, you're not in Skyrim. You're in Lagrange, Georgia. And, and but my instinct was that to just jump in. That's a game that immerses you in it. Another one more lately is I've been playing a lot of Ghost Recon Wildlands. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if, if any of you guys that play Wildlands, you know that in a lot of the bases that you have to go into, they have an antenna with a, with a siren that will call in backup. So you shoot that thing to power it down. Anytime I drive by a Verizon tower or anything like that, my first instinct goes, oh, I got to shoot that. And then I remember I'm in real life. So, I agree with your story, immersion, and that's a
1: huge part of what makes a game good. Yeah. Um, I would like to add that that I'm a history buff, um, and that's kind of why I, I always got sucked into the um, Assassin's Creed saga, was, was because they took part in, in real historical events in time, and that just really kind of called out to me, and, so, and that way I could learn a couple of things about history through also killing and assassinating Templars, which was fun. Killing people is
0: fine. Okay. Oh, yeah. There you go. Okay, FBI um, will be coming after soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or Department of Homeland Security. Whoever's in charge of finding people that kill people now. Anyway, all right, so what's the next
1: thing? Next thing is is character creation. Not just making how your, how your character looks, even though that could be a good plus for a game, but also how to customize them to, to do what you want and... And be what kind of character you want them to be, so such as if you want them to be a melee user, a gun user, a magic user, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and a good example of that is again Skyrim. Skyrim mm-hmm. is going to be a lot of examples here because it hits a lot of my checkpoints. Okay. Um, but also, but also, um, Borderlands is a good example of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, cause, cause we, in Borderlands you can customize how your character looks even after the game has started. Started, You know, well. Well, the Skyrim once you start the game and make how your character looks, that's it. Well, the physical characteristics, right, yes. right, right.
0: But um, and, but I would agree with you about both of those games. Mm-hmm. The difference to me between those two games is Skyrim. You have much more control over everything apart exactly. from apart from your face and your that kind of stuff. Yeah. Although if you go if you go to the chicken the, chick and the thieves, if you go to the thief the the chicken the thieves guild the face sculptor I know. yeah they, like, you can change your face yeah. so you can still do it. But yeah, um, so but 5, it gives five thousand gold. Okay, but you can still do it. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, yeah. But no one's going to
0: sell out five. And it gold. can be, dude. When you have about eight hundred or nine hundred thousand gold just sitting there because you make money. After a while, I'm coming as high level as we get. I mean, I think I got a million gold. At five grand is like okay, that's a sucker. True. But anyway, <laughs> so um, but you so you can do that. But also, you have much more control over character customization. True. Not not just you know, um, how you look or how you dress, but how you play that that role, you can have a guy that's designed to be a a, a mage user, but you can do his perks in a way that he's a two-handed melee user. I mean, you can do that. Whereas in, in Borderlands, yes, you get the different heads that
1: make them look different, this kind of thing. And you Which do have, have all, all these different skill trees. You have
0: all the skill trees, right. But well, but, but you're stuck. Well, and, and those skill trees are stuck within the Mecromancer, for example. Exactly. Okay. You can't be a Mecromancer and go do assassin or soldier perks. True. You know what I'm saying? So it's a little bit, I, I agree with you that it is customized within that character, but yes. it's not as customizable across characters as Skyrim. You're right. But but the both those are good examples. Yes. So,
1: so so let's see. The next example is is um characters. Not just just your character and your avatar, but also NPCs in the game, you know? Games that create these compelling and just mind and eye drawing characters in the game. Um and great and a great example of that is Mass Effect. The Mass Effect saga always makes amazing side characters um, and squad mates that you can just get sucked into. Um, and, and my personal favorite is Tali. Huh. Um, she will always be my favorite just because she is a little geeky, nerdy person, you know? The faceless chick that he has the hearts for. Uh, actually, um, in, in Mass Effect 3, if you choose the Tali romance line, you'll actually get a picture of her face on your nightstand. Of her real face on your night's end. Okay, fine. Whatever. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Sweet.
0: And she's a babe. <laughs> I just see the mask. Anyway, yeah, Connor and I are probably going to have some disagreements about when the Mass Effect stuff comes up, because the Mass Effect's going to come up with me in oh, a yeah. negative
1: way. Yeah, I know.
0: But anyway, but you're, you're right. I mean, th- those are pretty good. The Mass Effect NPCs are pretty good. They're pretty well fleshed out. I do agree with you on that probably more than most other games. Yeah. Their storylines are pretty deep. Their Their voice acted really well. Uh, that's something, that's that's a place where it beats something like Skyrim, which is yeah. one of our favorite games. It beats it hands down. Oh, yeah. The NPCs in Skyrim are pretty bad for the most part. A few of them are okay, but even the ones that, the main ones like Sauron or
1: something yeah. like that, they're kind of boring. Well, when we think about it, Skyrim just used the same five voice actors um, and basically, to distribute them out, through all the basic care characters in the game, you know. You know it would be really funny?
0: What if and, and this is this is dating me and you wouldn't get this, but if if somebody made a mod for Skyrim so that all the NPC characters, all the male NPC characters had the exact same voice um, and it was the guy that did all the male voices in the Scooby-Doo television show. Oh yeah. because not it isn't it didn't, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't it didn't matter whether you he was a good guy or a bad guy or the park ranger or the sheriff or the evil music park owner, whoever it was, and it could be multiple guys in the same episode. They all had the same guy doing all their voices, and it was the exact same voice. He didn't even try to make a different voice. That'd be kind of of fun. That'd be a cool mod to have. Wasn't that Don Knotts, or or am I thinking of someone else? No, no. Don Knotts, I think, played himself in a few episodes, but he didn't do the voices. Yeah, that's right. He didn't do the voices in those. Anyway, I just thought, sorry, So there's a chicken that I just chased.
1: (laughs) And to, to chase another, just real quick, Who was your favorite um, NPC um, in the Mass Effect saga, the original trilogy?
0: My favorite NPC in the
1: original saga? Not just based on on romance line, but also story and and, and interactions and stuff, you know? Mm. I don't know.
0: I mean, I like Garrus. Oh, yeah. Garrus is awesome. I liked, uh, what's his name? The one that had the disease and died. Fame Creos, yeah, I like I, he. Was, I liked his storyline. Oh yeah, it was kind of interesting and it, it was kind of touching. And then you know the girls' storylines, I mean, they were kind of there. Yeah. you know, I guess probably those two are t- two of my favorites because they were just kind of interesting. Yeah, Tolly's was okay. Uh, um, oh, what's the Asari girl's name? There were several. Well, the the first one, Liara. Liara. Yeah, I mean, I mean hers was okay, but yeah. but
1: anyway. So um, I'm um, personally. He, my um, my two favorites are, well, actually three favorites, um, are are, are, are part of the original, part uh-huh. of the original lineup. Um, Garrus, Rex, and Tali. Okay, I cool. love those guys to death. Cool. Okay. All right. All right. So what's next? Oh yeah, my next point, which is number four, is loot. A game that can give you some awesome loot. Um, that can really bulk up your character and make them look awesome, or we'll just give your character extra perks and stuff. That's a good game of it, because then that kind of ties into with my kind of collectible kind of personality and just get all this awesome loot. Like in Skyrim, they have all these unique armor sets that you can find throughout the game, and that's kind of that's kind of what I like. But a game that does not have a good loot system, and, and, and Dad's gonna hate me for this. It's Destiny. I know Destiny kind. I'm kinda hating f- on that. I know Destiny kind of fixed on the whole loot system, but but you have to admit. How, how they how they had originally designed it not good. you know so what was not what was not good about it? Well, let's see. um a, a common enemy that's like level one could have just as much a chance of dropping a golden engram than uh, than one of the uh, big bosses in in the uh, weekly nightfall mission, whatever things. No,
0: know? no, I mean yeah, a, a, a small character could drop a, a, a purple Ingram. sure, that's true, but it was a much lower chance than the big ones. So the, the, the chance was greater in the nightfalls and that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, yeah. but I, I I agree with you. I, I mean, it was a situation and it's still a problem to this day with Destiny 2 from what I understand, though I'm not playing it, is that, you know, when you get a purple Ingram and you go turn it in or I forgot what they even call it That's been as long as I've De- played. Um, uh, decrypt it. Yeah, yeah. decrypt yeah. it. And it turns into a, 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 a green. Yeah. Or something like that. So, so I mean, I understand that. It, it's It's not consistent and that's been one of the things that people have been really frustrated about with destiny i don't know how well it was fixed in destiny Two. you guys can chime in and let us know Uh, i got some friends that play it a lot Uh, i have sworn off destiny after the grind of the original after playing it every day for a stinking year and i'm i've broken myself from the addiction and i'm going to try to stay away from it so no not try i'll be your sponsor there's only do or not do there's no try i am going to stay away from it so yeah, but I agree that that one was not great. Uh, I think the Diablo was a really good one. Oh yeah and and or Diablo three and uh, I think Borderlands is pretty good.
1: Oh yeah Borderlands um has amazing loot on um, although technically all their loot is basically just guns. yeah, but that's awesome. Exactly. So anyway, okay, all right, so what's next? My final point is something that I call the goof factor. Um, and when I say goof, um, I don't mean comic effect and, and all that stuff. Um, um, I just mean what makes the game unique and different from all the other games, you know? An example of that is, is um, Mass Effect Andromeda. Not, I have not played a game like that ever. All the other games that I've played have been all about um, survival and fighting and all that. While, while Mass Effect Andromeda is all about exploring, collecting, exp- um, and colonization and stuff and this is where we're going to disagree i know um, um i know mass effect andromeda has gotten a lot of heat but that's because almost half um actually you know over half of, of all these people who are who are slamming it um are comparing it to the original trilogy when the creators have actually said in the past this is not part of the original trilogy it is part of its own set of games and its own generation and own saga and which is going to which is going to be all about colonization and exploration. Now, I I predict that the next game is going to be be a bit more fighty and a bit more survival esque, kind of like with Shepard and the Reapers. Um, because now they're introducing the cats and and all these and this like monarch person that's coming in from from outside the solar system and such. So that's probably going to get better. If they make another Mass Effect, they will. Mass Effect is way too popular to to, to not do it. You know.
0: Well, now we're going to get into mine. Yes. And we're going to talk about what I think makes a good video game. Uh-huh. And I'm kind of talking about what makes a good video game in a lot of ways by talking about what the opposite, uh, which is going to include a lot of Mass Effect Andromeda. First of all, just to start, no, I get
1: to talk now. So, I, I just, just add one thing. Just, okay. just add one thing. All right, go ahead. If you hear Dad say, ow, at any time, that's because I popped him over the head for bad-mouthing Andromeda.
0: And then the podcast will be done, because then I'll be jumping over the microphone or through the microphone to him. But that's another story. <laughs> Don't call the police. Um, or d Because he's 21. You can't call d He's an adult. Whatever. So anyway. But you can call the cops. So, you know, the fact that Mass Effect only came out about six months ago. And you can already get the deluxe edition in the bargain bin for 15 bucks. Should tell you that they kind of screwed the pooch on Mass Effect Andromeda. Now, um, for, for a few things. All right, the first, the first thing that I have on my list. Now, I kind of already talked about the immersion thing. So, one of my things I kind of already talked about with Connor with his story side. But um, graphics is not the thing that's going to make a game. I, I, I never buy a game that sucks just because it looks pretty. Because there's been plenty out there that look pretty and are terrible games, but graphics can definitely detract from the game and and become such a disruption and such a distraction that it takes away from you being able to enjoy the game because it just you can't get past it. Now, I'm gonna have my say and then you can have a rebuttal because it's all about Mass Effect. I get that.
1: So I was gonna um, make an, I was gonna make an, a bad example of um uh, of the graphics part, you know minecraft is a good example of bad graphics taking away from decent game okay we don't know that because we've never played
0: minecraft because it looks i just played it a
1: little bit on a friend's laptop back in high school it it. looks
0: it looks super boring to me that's why i don't play it exactly and i'm probably gonna have minecraft fans sending me death threats but anyway so but but bad graphics can take away from the game and mass effect andromeda is one of them when that game came out first of all just the overall graphics didn't look any different than the Xbox 360 uh, original trilogy. And you would think that having the three or four years that they worked on that game on better, um, stronger equipment, hardware, it would have just generally looked better. It looked no different than the 360 game to start with. Second of all, the animations were horrid, especially the facial animations were horrid. And I mean, there were funny videos and memes made of them because they were so bad. Yes, I know. They patched it, made it look better. So you don't have to tell me that, Connor. I know. But it still didn't solve it. Made it better, but it was still bad. I know. And by the time they made the patch, so many people had stopped playing it because they couldn't take it. that They didn't go back to it.
1: So that's one. What I don't understand is is, um, I never saw any of these glitches with the animations. I never saw any. Get on YouTube and you can see all. And I ran into a
0: bunch of just a little bit that I played. I, I it, it was just, I just didn't watching the anything. facial expressions, especially the sister. who was bad. Anyway, I didn't notice. But, anything, so I, I just don't understand. That's all. Well, getting into Asperger's and not really getting facial expressions sometimes. But it, the, the other thing about that one, and I want to get into this a little bit later, too, that it just wasn't fun. And I want to get in it when I want to get into my gameplay side of things. Okay. But so, so graphics. So that was, a, that was one where, you know, graphics is not going to make a game, but it can definitely detract from a game. It kind of reminds me of the example that I used in the first time we recorded this was the Hobbit movies. Not about graphics, but about storyline stuff that things can distract you so much that it prevents you from enjoying it. You know, The Hobbit, which I love Tolkien is a small book, and they made it into three movies. So in order to make it into three movies, they had to add so much stuff to it to fill up three movies worth. And they created storylines that weren't in the book. They had main characters in the movies that weren't even in the book. And so the first time I saw the movie, even though it was a good movie, I came out of that movie miserable and angry because it was so far away from the book. That detracted from the enjoyment of the movies. When I went back and watched it later on DVD, I enjoyed it much better because I already knew that. So this is the same kind of thing with the graphics on Mass Effect Andromeda. It just detracted from the game and I lost interest. Sound design is something that's really important to me. Again, sound design isn't going to necessarily make a game fantastic, and you're not going to buy a game just for sound design, but it can definitely enhance a mediocre game and make it much better. The best example that I can think, and I'm dating myself with this, you know, I could very well have people listening to this podcast that weren't even born when this game came out, but I think it was 1994, on the old Atari Jaguar, and it was Alien vs. Predator. Now I hope someone... I wasn't even born back then. I know you weren't even you weren't even a twinkling in your daddy's eye yet. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, any of you guys that played that game or have seen videos of this game, graphics were not great because I mean it was basically bitmap graphics, uh, you know, a bitmap style, and so the characters are these bitmaps that just moved around the screen. So the graphics were really bad, especially when they got close to you because they were just really pixelated. But the premise of that game is you're playing either an alien or a predator or the colonial marine on this abandoned space station. and You're the only three that are on the space station. What do you think an abandoned space station would sound like? Exactly. It would be very quiet with just ambient sounds. There's no theme music playing in the background or dramatic music playing when a bad guy comes near you or anything like that. All it was was the hum of the space station, the swoosh of the door when you opened it, your footsteps and if you're the colonial marine if one of the if the alien of the prairie were getting close to you all of a sudden you started hearing the beep beep on your radar and it was getting louder and louder and beeping more more quickly as they got closer to you but you couldn't see them and you're frantically looking around trying to see them and all of a sudden you hear this loud ear shattering -shattering shriek in the back behind you and you turn around and the the aliens right in your face It, it had the most minimal sound in a game but it was designed so well to just immerse you in that abandoned space station you really felt like you were in an abandoned space station you play that game with the lights out like you would think a horror movie you would do but you did it like that with this one and it was just so tense because of the the way they did the sound so minimally but well and so that definitely made it one of my all-time favorite games because it just i can still remember that feeling of walking around all alone just wondering which where are they going to be when i turn the next corner it's just really cool so yeah
1: um, know what they should do? They should reboot that game, but but as a VR game, you know
0: that'd be cool. Uh, they yeah. they did they did remake that game a couple of times. I think they did it on the PC, and then they did um, Alien was it Alien Isolation guys? And it was the same kind of thing. Just recently, I think on the Xbox One, maybe it was the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. Anyway, I can't remember. I never got it, but I always kind of wanted to because I was hoping that it would give me that same feeling. But
1: but imagine uh, if they did it exactly like that. No theme music or, or, or anything else, just the ambience of it. Um, and then putting on, on your VR glasses and just being in that kind of mode, yeah. that would really that would really be cool. And they,
0: and they may have done that for the Alien Isolation. Or not the VR part, but the sound. They may have done that. I don't remember. Um, it didn't get great reviews, and that's why I never picked it up. If I can get it cheap, 10 bucks sometimes I might do it. Or hopefully one day they'll come out with it for free on, you know, deals with gold or something. So the last one that I have is, is gameplay, which is kind of going into some of the other stuff that Connor said, you know. Again, gameplay can take a mediocre game in terms of how it looks or how it sounds and make it a good game. Why not make it great? It's going to make it good, make it fun. I mean, if you can find a game that doesn't have great graphics, but it's just fun to play, then you keep playing it, you know. Uh, Towerfall is one. It's It's got 8-bit graphics. I get the whole 8-bit graphic thing because I was raised in the 8-bit graphic era, but I kind of am not a fan of the retro look now. But it's just a fun game to play. i sitting on the couch with three other friends. There was a game on the Ouya, see? I'm branching out here, called Bomb Squad that didn't have great graphics, didn't have an- great animation, but it was hilariously fun to play. You know, it was four-player co-op you know, couch co-op kind of stuff. And it was just super fun. So, gameplay is wonderful. Negatives to that, though, a negative example, again, I go back to Mass Effect Andromeda, which Connor's shaking his head. Because, and oh, this is not just me, I've had uh, several other people, put your hand down, you're not going to hit me. Um, or there'll be consequences. <laughs> but anyway, it just, I just didn't find it fun. And I know that you're saying that it was a different style of game. There was more colonization and po- politics and this kind of thing, whereas everybody was used to the other. Mm-hmm. But it had millions of fans and millions of people bought it or how many people bought it because they were expecting more of the same because that's what they loved about the, first, the original trilogy. And I don't think Bioware did a good enough job of explaining the differences in the game. So people jumped into that game going, hey, I'm ready to do this. And I'm starting a colony. Okay. And so they just didn't find it interesting. And to be honest with you, even though going into it, Playing it, knowing what it was, because you had already played it and pretty much already beaten it before I even started playing it. I knew fully what to expect, and I was just bored. And I had two or three friends that were playing it, and they never finished it either because they were just bored. So the gameplay didn't draw you in and didn't hold you there for most people. Not for you, because I know you loved it, but for most people it didn't. And so that's an example for me of how bad gameplay can take away from a decently designed game.
1: Yeah, go ahead. I would like to point out what my dad said about why they about how people didn't realize what it would be because BioWare didn't release enough about it. Because BioWare was so secretive about this game because they wanted it to, to be a surprise because people were expecting this awesome new thing, you know. I mean, I was I was surprised, honestly. And I was glad that it that it was so different from the original saga because because then I could fall in love with it all over again in this new line. Yeah, but most people, I know. Okay. I, I You're know the outlier. Think.
0: Most people felt duped and most people were frustrated because it wasn't what they were expecting and they were angry that Bioware didn't give them a better idea of what the game was going to be like. And so they felt like they bought a game that wasn't what they bought, you know? And so, yeah, just, just sorry, Bioware. I mean, like I said, there's a reason why six months after the game came out, a triple A publisher game is, you can get the deluxe edition for 15 bucks. I mean, it's in the bargain bin after six months. All right. And there's other games that weren't as big releases as it that you can get from that still cost more than that. That have been out longer. You know, so it just goes to show you that, that they were expecting to sell buku number of these games. And they just didn't. So they have, a, they have a supply they're trying to get rid of because it just didn't sell well. And the fact that this was probably two months ago. So this is like only four months into the game. Bioware came out and announced they're not doing any more patches for the game. They're done. Which is pretty much them admitting, we give up. We're, we're, we're moving on from this. This was a train wreck, and we're moving on from this and starting something else. I mean, for four months into a game's life, that they stop patching it? That's pretty rough. That's a pretty bad indication. So, so anyway, so those are some of the things that make good games for us, or some good examples of what can detract from a good game for us. Uh, I'd love to hear your examples. I'm sure you all have your own ideas feel free to hit us up on Twitter or email me or reply on the the podcast page or comment on the Tumblr page and, you know, let us know. But that's kind of where we're – that's our question for the podcast. You
1: got anything else you want to add about the game stuff? Other than um, you bashing Mass Effect Andromeda, which I do not like, I understand your points. Did I
0: bash it or did I have some some rational comments? I didn't sit there and go, this game sucks. It's the worst thing I ever freaking made. No, I didn't do that. I just said, these are the reasons why I think it's an example of a bad game. Just examples. I still see it as bashing, but okay. <laughs> I'm bash you. So, the last thing we want to talk about. I so he's hit me in the head. The last thing I want to talk about, or we're going to talk about, sorry, is the movie. Uh, you know, we're going to try to watch one of these movies. And uh, last time we watched Gora. And if you go listen to the first, pro- first uh, episode. Wait, yeah. Dad, What's
1: this segment called? The best of the worst on Netflix. There you go, brand recognition. That's what we need.
0: Okay, there you go. So you know, best
1: of the worst on Netflix, and this week was was the movie Zumbies. Yeah, we
0: already did, we already did the whole Zumbies thing. Yeah. I know. Okay. I will just so, it, the name again. Yeah, it's late. We're tired. It's so uh, we're we're it's in, hot in here. We're we're in our our, our, our ghetto soundproof laundry room. So, it's getting a little stuffy in here with all the hot air that's being blown in here, too. So, anyway. So, yeah. So, we watched this movie, uh, 2016 movie called Zombies. And, no, it's not about a bunch of women in a zomb- in a Zumba class that go zombie. It's not Zumbies as in no. Zumba. It's actually a zoo. There were so, so many problems with this movie. Oh, yeah. Now, my, my buddy Mitch um, from the Divided With Werewolves podcast... When I mentioned, this is one we were going to screen for this podcast. Is, hey, I got that one. You know, he is he along with Brandon, um, uh, the co-host, the other the host on, on the Divided With Werewolves podcast. They're a big horror movie bus. And, and Mitch buys lots of the horror movies and just to have them. And he has this one. I don't think he really told me exactly how he felt about the movie, but he bought it. So, you know, this might fall into the worst of the worst on oh, Netflix yeah. for me so far. Because Gora, the one we screened in the first episode, it was, funny. it was great. We actually ended up liking that one. Oh, yeah. But this one, there were lots of problems. So the premise of the movie is there's this zoo and this grandfather, this woman is the running of the zoo and her grandfather started this and it's a zoo for like endangered species. And and she's bringing in a bunch of college students to be interns and she's bringing them in for their orientation and this kind of stuff. Well, it just so happens that she brings them to, to the zoo on the same day that there is a zombie outbreak with the monkeys in the zoo and then all hell breaks loose. All the animals turn into zombies and all this kind of stuff. And it's just really bad. But, uh, so what do you, oh, what do yeah. you want to say about it? Yeah, you go ahead. Tell me, tell me what you think about it. Cause then i got a lot to say. A quick question.
1: Sure. What was the weirdest zombie you saw in there? What was the weirdest zombie you saw at- in the movie, I don't know.
0: I, I don't know. They were all weird. Uh, probably the 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 zombie monkey coming out of the dude's chest that he didn't even know was there. Um, and I
1: will to get into that later. Uh, for me, it was probably the uh, zombie giraffe. Yes, I know you're going to say the zombie giraffe. Well, I mean, well, I mean, come on. It's just okay, guys. When you think giraffe, what do you think of? Um, a um a a tall yellow horned horse thing thing that that eats leaves, right? You don't think of it. Um, as something that will team up with another zombie giraffe. And then rip a guy in two by biting on their arms, right? I mean, how do you make a how do you make a giraffe look evil
0: and zombieish? It was kinda exactly. it was kinda weird. So anyway, I mean it was just okay, so so just to give you some examples, I mean first of all, the acting was terrible. Oh yeah. Uh, it was just ter- spectacularly Although, bad. The, oh, oh, good. When the when the best actor in the movie is the little six year old girl, she does the best acting of all of the adults. That should tell you something. Oh yeah. You know, and I mean it was it was it was like Jurassic Park meets Walking Dead, you know, or whatever, you know. At, at one point, and one of the characters, in the back did, yeah, in the back, and, and one of the characters in the movie says, "You know, this is not Jurassic Park." And I kind of went there and kind of went, "Well, yeah, kind of it is," you know. But you know, so it's Jurassic Park. Yeah. well... <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, so I mean, just uh, things that just I couldn't get past. This one some some bad storyline kind of stuff that I just couldn't get past. So for example. The movie starts and they're in the, the, the vet and, um, the vet's assistant and one of the security guards comes into the, to the, the clinic with the, the veterinarian with this monkey that's just kind of going nuts and they're trying to figure out what's going on with him. He's looking kind of weird looking. They got a bunch of the other monkeys and these are like little squirrel monkeys and they're all in, the other ones are in their cages. I think they're
1: capuchin. You know,
0: whatever. Yeah. So we're arguing about what kind of monkey this. is. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, and, and this one was just kind of going nuts and they and it just looks like it's going to die and they're trying to, they can't figure out what's wrong with it and then it finally dies. And they're like, oh, God, and they try to save it, and it just dies. And it's just laying there on the table dead. And then when it dies, all the other monkeys start going crazy in their cages. And they're all turning and looking at the cage, looking at these other monkeys. And then all of a sudden, the dead monkey comes back to life and then starts attacking them. And then they can't reach them on the radio, so they send another security guard to go down there to talk to him. He gets down there. At some point, I think the veterinarian is calling or the, the, somebody's calling to, to Ellen, who's the director of the place. Yeah. And he's saying, what was it he said? He said, let me find it, because I even wrote it down. It said, um, uh, where is it? Oh, I forgot. Anyway, it says that, that. okay, he's like, okay, look, the, the everybody's dead down here, and the monkeys are going to kill everybody if we don't catch them. And, and she jumps right in saying, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. And she starts to problem solve, but she doesn't know what in the world he's talking about. I mean, let me, if, if you were a zoo director, and your security guard that you sent down to check on people that you weren't get, that weren't returning their calls called you and said they're all dead and we better catch these monkeys or they're going to kill everybody in the zoo. What would your first question be? What? I mean, yeah, I would probably have a couple, uh, probably a choice word in there, but like, what the? You know, what are you talking about? No, she just completely took it in complete stride and started problem solving, having no clue what the guy's talking about. So there's a lot of just assumptions in the movie that that kind of broke up the storyline so that 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 kind of bothered me another one that really bothered me another thing that kind of bothered me was they go down to check on 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 these dead bodies they get down there and both security guards are dead and the veterinarian's assistant's dead and the veterinarian is still alive he's all bloody and he's all and and everything and they're talking to him and he's like you know you got to get out of here you close the door this kind of stuff and as he's talking to them the whole alien out of his chest kind of scene happened but it wasn't an alien that popped out of his chest. It, it was the monkey. It was the monkey. The monkey popped out of this dude's chest. This wasn't a situation like an alien where the facehugger latched onto this guy, lays an egg into him, and it goes down into his stomach, and then it hatches in his stomach and then bursts out. No, this was a full grown adult monkey that it was inside this dude. So my first question was, one, well, two questions. One was, what orifice did this monkey climb through to get inside this guy? Can only be two. <laughs> I don't think he'd fit through the nostrils. It's either his mouth or his butt. Okay. Number two, how in the world did he not know that thing that thing crawled up inside him? Because, I mean, he was super surprised that, oh my gosh, a monkey's coming out of my chest. So, I mean, come on. One word, word. Shock. Whatever. Dude, if I was in shock and a monkey crawled up my butt, I think I would still know.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: I'm like, I'm in total shock, but a monkey just crawled up my butt. Y'all might want to watch out.
1: Well, wait, wait, well, wait. There's a... There's also the the uh, belly button and the ears and all that. Yeah, but if his belly, if he crawled in his belly button, they would be
0: all busted open and stuff. It's not an actual orifice. Okay, it's a there's a little divot right there. It's not a place to crawl through. Okay. It's either his mouth or his butt. Okay. He's gonna know. <laughs> One of is gonna be sore. <laughs> and and the fact that he was talking tells me it wasn't his mouth. His vocal cords were fine. Oh my God. So my guess is it crawled up his butt. Even if he was in shock, he would have known. Mm-hmm. Um, so what the, what the hell? You know, and, and there was another scene where some guy's arm, he'd gotten bitten by, these mon- by one of the monkeys. And of course, the zombies, the monkeys are turning all the animals into zombies, but none of the humans are turning into zombies. So I guess it's just tied just to the animals. But anyway. Can't
1: jump the species barrier.
0: Yeah, but, but, but the animals are different species as well. Right? Right? So... But they're not as complex as humans. Um, anyway, but the the gorilla that we'll get to. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's primate just like we're primates. But anyway, so the guy's so arm. The guy's the guy's arm. Is, that's true. The guy's arm is all chewed up. And, oh, we need to get some antibiotics on that. And Connor and I both looked at each other and went, "Is that a jar of Vaseline?" They literally just pulled a <laughs> jar of Vaseline off the shelf. Just a plain old, little square, clear jar of Vaseline, and just started slathering Vaseline on this guy. I mean, so. You know, talk about high production values of our podcast. The movie had some pretty high production values, I guess. And then another one that really bothered me was the magic bullets. Oh, yeah. Uh, There was a girl in there, and she was like this Australian girl. She was one of the security guards. And she had a pistol. And at one point, she says, I've only got five bullets left. And so then she starts shooting at things, and you hear, bang, 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 bang. bang." (laughs) So... Somehow the five bullets turned magically into six and seven bullets. And then later, without finding more bullets, she was emptying entire clips into animals. So.
1: It's the Jesus gun, splitting one bullet into several uh, bullets. It's the Lee Harvey Oswald
0: magic bullet, (laughs) you know, from JFK is what it is. So anyway. So, you know, I mean, those things like that just, I get stuck on those things. And if it was a greatly acted movie, and it was a great storyline. I look past those kind of things, but when you got no redeeming qualities, and then you have this stuff, it just kind of really oh, drug yeah. me down. So, um, but like I said, the um, the best acting in the movie was the little six year old girl. Oh yeah, and, and the there was one scene. scene and, yeah, go ahead.
1: And the best scene with the little girl was when um um she she was she was like in, in her mom's office playing with her dolls, having a little tea party and stuff. Eventually, and looked looked at a little self gorilla and said. Say, let's go get mr koala um then see the the camera pan over and you see this like koala thing on a shelf it's not moving but you can tell something is a little off about it i mean and so as she gets closer the koala then then does this zombie screech and, and leaps at the girl and then apparently three others come in doors locked obviously and the mom is pounding on the door trying to get in and then she finally gets in, and she sees the little, the little girl covered in blood with a baseball bat hanging on her arm and just, like, little mounds of fur, blood, and I don't know what, but but apparently she she kicked the, the crap out of these koalas.
0: Okay, and I just thought of something. So this is a zoo director's office.
1: Uh-huh. Who's a woman. Uh-huh. Who is
0: a single mother of one daughter. Uh-huh. No boys. Uh-huh who throughout the whole movie is doing nothing but playing tea and playing with dolls. Uh-huh. Why was there a baseball bat in that room, in that office? Conveniently. That's true. Oh what the, what the heck? I mean, I just thought about that. Why was she playing Babe Ruth with a bat? There shouldn't have been one in there. Main,
1: maybe the mom played softball? I don't know. Anyway, but it was a kid's bat. True. Anyway. I mean, maybe so, the kid played softball? It,
0: you know, and then it's, it's like the, the main animal in the movie was, was the gorilla. Oh yeah, Kifo. And, Kifo, and and of course they alternated between, you know, a guy in a bad gorilla costume. Oh yeah, and then a CGI gorilla. They didn't even try to make them look alike. Yeah, and it looked literally like two, it's like they okay, this is the best this is the best gorilla outfit we can get at Party Central or Party you know Party Central store, and we're gonna to go to Fiverr.com and say hey, who can animate a gorilla for us for five bucks? <laughs> and they just put both of them together. So. For, for the first 20 minutes i'm sitting there going are there two different gorillas and then i
1: realized that it was they call it all on kifu so oh one one glaringly obvious obvious error with the gorilla the the CGI one you could always see its fangs poking out of its jaw jaw when when an actual gorilla mouth does not work like that it, its fangs are always inside, it, inside its mouth and not always exposed kind of like They had with Kifo. They'll say, now we get into Connor's kind of obsession
0: with animals. He loved animals and his obsession with animals and knowing all these little details. So anyway. Quit hitting the table. Oh, I didn't mean to hit the table. Excuse me. That's the third time you've hit it this podcast. So we're going to be arguing as soon as this is over. (laughs) Um, But anyway. So listen. Definitely between the two movies that we've seen so far in the bot one segment, this one was definitely... um, one of the worst. Not as good. One of the worst? We've only seen two. It was it the, the worst. worst. <laughs> of the two. But Gora, if you haven't seen Gora yet, go see Gora. Oh, yeah. Um, Next time, I'm not sure which movie we're going to do next time. We'll figure that out. Kung Fury is definitely on the list. It's only 30 minutes long. And the the part that I've screened so far, it is classically bad in a good way. So we might do that one next time. I'm not sure what we're going to do. I've got plenty to choose from. Maybe we'll do Avalanche Sharks. I have no oh, idea. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So that's all we got. You got anything else you want to add before we go today? Not really. Okay. So that's episode two, guys. I appreciate you guys listening. If you made it all the way through, I'll give you a badge. I don't know. I'll give you, I don't know. I'll give you something. Hey, what's up? Thank you. So we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep figuring out. We're kind of figuring out our niche and what we want to do as we go. So I appreciate whoever's going to bear with us through all this. I really want you guys to give us Some feedback, tell us what we can do to improve, make it better. Because we would like... Look, even though we're doing this for fun, we're not doing a Patreon right now. We wouldn't have enough people to do a Patreon anyway. But we want it to be good. And we want to get listeners because we just want to have listeners to listen to this stuff. So anything we can do to make this better, um, I'd appreciate it. Look, you can reach us in several different places. And I want to try to hit all of them, okay? You can reach me personally on Twitter at HeadGamer. H-E-A-D-G-A-M-E-R. Or you can hit the podcast Twitter, which is GPVarietyHour. You can hit us up on the Tumblr page, which is gpvh.tumblr.com. These podcasts are going to be hosted on podcast, um, podcastmachine.com. We appreciate them for hosting the podcast. Uh, you can send us feedback there. Also, uh, Connor is on Google+. I'm on it as well. I'm just not on it that much. He's on there all the time. So you can reach him there at you can reach me on Google
1: Plus at Cbomb, comma the goofball of the pool.
0: Right, and then lastly, we do some co-op game streaming, and we actually haven't done it in about a month. We've been busy with other things, and we're going to try to get back into it this weekend. And you can find us on YouTube at Gene Pool Variety Hour. So again, I thank you guys for listening. Again, this is the Gene Pool Variety Hour, and I'm Sean. And this is Connor, and we will see y'all next time. Peace. Bye, guys. <laughs>